0: Following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. One of the things that we are doing during Lent is reading the passages that are assigned for this season of year by the Revised Common Lectionary. If you don't know what the lectionary is, it's just a collection of texts, it goes all year round and actually on a three year cycle takes you through most of the Bible, giving you four readings per week. And uh, I often uh, suggest that if you're looking for a way to read the Bible, you don't know where to start, it's probably not actually the best idea to start right with the beginning with Genesis because it can, you get bogged down pretty quickly if you try to do that. Um, but you could use the Revised Common Lectionary. If you do a Google search for Lectionary, it'll probably be the first result and you can click through to it it'll give you texts for that week. And you, that, you get the whole... Bible, um, meaning all different sections of it every week, certain times of year we use uh, we use all the passages in worship, which doesn 't mean that I preach on all the passages. Um, if you were here last week, you remember we had a gospel reading, and i didn 't mention it at all during my sermon, which was actually about the Old Testament reading. The same kind of thing is going to happen today, uh, but we do it because we believe that exposure to the scriptures is something that's formational to us as Christians, even if it's not expounded or taught upon by, by an expert with a button-up shirt, um, which I happen to be wearing today. <laughs> it doesn't make me the expert, but if, if there were one, um, <laughs> yeah, it's untucked, so it loses its power. Um, so I'm going to read the gospel lesson for today, and then we're going to do some housekeeping stuff, and then we'll get into the the sermon part, but um, it's traditional in churches where you do this to stand for the reading of the gospel. Could I ask you to stand for the reading of the gospel today? This is Luke 13, 31 through 35, and you're probably going to wish that we could talk about it after you hear it because it's an interesting one. um, At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, being Jesus, get away from here for Herod wants to kill you. He said to them, go and tell that fox for me. Listen, I am casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow, and on the third day, I finish my work. Yet today, tomorrow, and the next day, I must be on my way, because it is impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing See, your house is left to you, and I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. The word of the Lord from the Gospel of Luke. Thanks be to God, and you can be seated. See, if you were using the lectionary passages devotionally, you'd have time to go into that very interesting passage yourself, and so that's one of the reasons why I suggest you do it. Now, the other thing that we're doing during Lent is uh, each week we're introducing a different spiritual practice, and always during Lent, we try to do something together, some community-based spiritual practice that we can all undertake at once, and in the past, we've done a, a church-wide fast um, from all drinks other than water, which is, uh, some of us had trouble with, um, and we've done a lot of other things, but this, this year, um, we're not doing a church-wide Fast for the whole of Lent. Instead, we're doing a different spiritual practice each week. And what we've done is put together these these cards, these little business card sized uh, cards. And they have on one side a spiritual discipline and a daily meditation. And the idea is that you will take the card with you this week, and you'll do the the um, the discipline at least once during the week, and then you'll do the daily meditation if not every day, at least several times during the week. And then on the back of the card is just blank space for thoughts and reflections. And the idea with that is that you will write down your experience with this discipline and this meditation and you'll bring them in and you can see a few of us have already done this. You'll hang them on this lovely little display that we have here. So if you did last week's spiritual practice which was submission and a meditation on the text from the book of Isaiah and you haven't done this yet Take your card out um, and write on it, and and you can hang it up there. Um, And then I'm also right now going to give you the card for this week. So could I have one volunteer from each of the four sections of seating? You guys count, but not like that. Um, Somebody will hit you. You don't need to come up, is what I'm saying. Um, And this is this week's discipline, this this week's practice and meditation. This week, the spiritual practice actually is fasting, which um, sometimes is the is what we do all together, as I said. But just for this week, we're going to do fasting. And it's going to be very open-ended. The card explains this, but you can... Could I have one of those before you uh, go too far with them? (laughs) Thank you. Um, You can can do all kinds of different fasting. You can fast from food or drinks or caffeine or TV, um, one meal per day. You could fast for one day, that kind of thing. Um, Whatever would be appropriate for you and uh, potentially for your family as well. And then the meditation this week will be from uh, the book of Isaiah again. Last week it was Psalm 91, pardon me. It's Isaiah this week. And uh, my hope is that by the end of Lent this wall will just be covered with cool reflections and you can go up and make that sort of a meditative area for yourself and see what everybody's experience has been through Lent and how it matches up with yours. Um, And I do want to give a lot of credit to Autumn and Heidi who helped put these cards together. They developed all the content for the cards, and then um, I sent that on to Brian, who's not here today, and Brian laid it out and everything. It was, it's a, a, it was a great team effort with that. Um, I almost didn't do anything with it, so um, thank you, Pat, and other people who handed them out. Let's leave some on the communion table in case you want to get some when you come up for communion. You can share those with a friend. You can download the, the whole Lent thing on one sheet at our website. If you go to artisanchurch.com, you'll find uh, where you can do that. So um, before we move on from that, I wonder if anybody is brave and would like to share what your experience this past week was with the discipline of submission and the little text from Psalm 91. It surely is a community-wide effort, so we, we benefit from hearing each other's voices. Yes, Dan. Interesting how submission leads into trust, (laughs) if you can get through it. Submission is not an easy discipline for some of us. Anybody else have a reflection or a thought? (laughs) That... um, the psalm that was chosen for last week is Psalm 91, which is one that's really important to me. As I've told some of you before, it was a psalm that my mother used to read to me when I was a little, uh, little, little boy about my son's age, and I was having a terrible time falling asleep at night. I don't remember if it was nightmares or what it was, but my mother would read that psalm to me um, before bed, and it was really comforting to me. So I, I still, whenever I see it, that's what I think of. And I, I put it up as a little quotation on our Artisan Facebook page this week, and you know who the first person was to like it? My mom. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't talked to her about it at all. It's kind of cool. Well, we'll, we'll give you a chance th- throughout Lent to, to share and talk about this thing. And, of course, if you want to do it totally anonymously, you can just put it up on the on the wall there. But please do that. that that's really going to help us see how it's going, how it's going through here. Okay. So... Here's a few housekeeping things, and uh, bear with me for this, I, I hope it will be important and interesting to you um, as part of the community, and we'll get to uh, this um, text from Genesis momentarily. But the first thing is I want to give you an update on Deeply Rooted Revisited, which is our, our revisitation of our capital campaign that we did about a year and a half ago, and if you haven't been here the past couple of weeks, you haven't heard these words for 18 months or more, and if you're newer than that, you would never have heard them in the first place, but... Basically, we, uh, we're going to expand the sanctuary in addition to buying the building. And so the, the initial round of fundraising we did was not quite high enough because we ran into a problem with, um, I'm going like this, because that's where they're going to be installed. Um, sprinklers that need to go in here um, when we expand the sanctuary. So uh, at, at a fairly significant cost of almost potentially $60,000 on top of a project budget, that wasn't really much more than that anyway. <laughs> Um, So we've come back to our community and asked you if you would be willing to do one of three things. If you're a person who's already been giving to the campaign on a two-year commitment, as many of us are, we asked you if you'd be willing to extend that by one year and make it a three-year total contribution. Um, If you were a person who gave once or twice in larger sums, we asked you if you'd be willing to do that again once or twice. And uh, thirdly, if you're a person who's new to Artisan, who's very much at home here, this is your spiritual home, but you weren't here a year and a half ago, we've asked you to jump in on the campaign by making an upfront donation if you're willing and able, and by making a two-year contribution if you're willing and able. Um, And those of you who are visiting for the first time or for the second or third time, um, this, I hope, is going right over your heads because you're not the people who are asking to participate in this. This is really for people who call this place our home. Um, But uh, I want to show you what has happened in the last couple of weeks just we just asked for commitment cards 2 weeks ago for the first time and in the 2 weeks that have passed since then we have increased our total contribution on top of what has already come in and been pledged by over $50,000 which if you remember the number i gave you a minute ago on the cost of the sprinklers this is going to get us most of the way there which is really amazing really really amazing and as i said last week Technically, uh, in high church, which, you know, we, we pretend to be sometimes, um, you're not supposed to say hallelujah during Lent, but that was a hallelujah moment for me. Like, wow, I, had n- I, I did not think it was going to be that much. Oh, me of little faith, right? Um, so if you're hearing about this for the first time and, and uh, this is your church home and you'd like to get involved, you probably fall into one of those three categories, people who are giving already, people who gave once or twice, and people who have never given before, um, there are these commitment cards around. I'm not going to pass them out this week, but um, it would seem, seems uh, sacrilegious to put it next to the, the, the communion elements here. But I'll put them on the front here. And if you haven't gotten one yet and you'd like to participate, that's a good way to get started. You can also do it online and all that stuff too. Okay. So, and then I also I'm, I apologize. If I were doing this at the end of the service and the announcements, you guys would hate me um, because you'd be ready to go home. But, um, there's a couple of, three events coming up that I really need you to know about. The first one is our quarterly all-church gathering called The Gallery. This is happening on Wednesday. And uh, this is this kind of thing. We say if you're a member here, you're expected to be, uh, if, you, uh, if it's at all possible for you to be here. If you're not a member here, we'd love to have you be part of it. We have a great potluck. We have a we have good conversation about where things are going at Artisan. It's a great way, if you're fairly new, actually, you could still come to this because it's a great way to sort of figure out a little bit more about the type of people we are, and the type of church we are. Um, this gallery is important because the topic of conversation will be how we're going to implement our plan to have a temporary second service between Easter and the, about the end of the school year. And we're doing that to make room for the growth that we're experiencing because we can't expend the sanctuary uh, until the ground thaws, so if you can make it to the gallery on Wednesday uh, and contribute to that conversation, it would be wonderful, um, and if you can't, you can talk to us in that kind of thing as well, but you really, I would love to have you be part of that conversation, so that's the gallery, and then on Saturday, we are doing our, our um, membership course called Journey Together, it's, a, it's kind of a workshop style, it runs 9 to 2, and we provide lunch in between there. If you've been around Artisan for a while, you want to take that next step and get to know us a little bit better and make it perhaps explore the idea of making a deeper commitment, this is the thing you need to be at. It's on Saturday. And um, as I said but with the gallery, if you're kind of new to Artisan, you could still come to this, even if you have no intention of being a member at this point. Really, the, the membership course is the best and most complete way to figure out what Artisan is all about. So if you have time on Saturday, you want to come for some or all of that, just to kind of learn a bit more about us, that's a great way to do that. Um, and as I always say, this is also the best way to figure out that this is not the church where you want to make a permanent commitment. Um, you know, you learn a lot about us. It might not be the right place for you, and that's okay. It actually happens every single time we have a membership course. Somebody comes and says, hmm, okay. And then they don't come back. And that's totally fine. (laughs) Totally fine, it really is. And then finally, I'll just very briefly say that we are having a baptism service on Sunday, April 14th. If you are uh, somebody who has recently made a a commitment to Jesus, and you are now a Christian, um, and you'd like to be baptized, that would be the appropriate thing to do in that case. Um, Please talk to me. It's a public profession of your faith. And uh, if you have um, little babies that you'd like to have baptized, we do both baptism and dedication for infants here at Artisan. Um, We embrace both of those streams of Christian history and we can do either one, whatever you'd like. Um, And that that could also happen on the the 14th of April. So please talk to me uh, if you're interested in baptism. If you'd like to know more, etc. Okay. Um, Thank you for bearing with me through that stuff. Water's gone. Somebody get me some more water. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Dan's on it. Seth will hold the door for you, Dan. (laughs) Um, Today I want to talk about something that I'm going to call slippery faith. You know, there are times in our life when our faith um, is rock solid. Those of us who are Christians and we certainly don't expect that everybody in the room is. I hope this conversation will be uh, a little window into what it's like if you're not. But those of us who are Christians, there are times in our life when our faith feels rock solid. Like we could, we just have the firmest, most consistent grasp on it, and it could never get away from us. Um, if you're like me, those, those times tend to come after you've had a, what we sometimes call a mountaintop experience. Um, after you've had a spiritual high Maybe you've had a huge prayer answered or you've, you've seen a miracle happen in your life or in the life of your family or friends. Um, maybe you had a, just a divine experience of worship with your church family um, or alone overlooking Letchworth Gorge, <laughs> equally likely. You feel like you're on the faith all-star team. There are other times when our faith feels fleeting and weak and slippery. like it, It's like it's an eel and it could wriggle away from us at any moment. And we're not really sure we want to touch it in the first place. Maybe you've recently had a prayer that went unanswered. A miracle that, that you needed but didn't happen. Maybe you've been hurt or damaged by your community of faith. By your family of origin. Maybe instead of having that peaceful moment over Letchworth Gorge, you have a relative in a place that just experienced a natural disaster. And far from being on the faith all-star team, you feel like it's just barely there and really maybe you're the scrub who's sitting on the end of the bench, (laughs) never sees any playing time and, and at any moment could be cut from the team. Of course, faith isn't a competition. There is no such thing as the faith all-star team. Except that in the Bible, there is actually a place that has a list of what you might think of as faith all-stars. They didn't have team sports back then um, (laughs) with all-star teams, uh, to the best of our knowledge. But in Hebrews 11 which is a, a letter written to a church containing Jewish Christians. There's a passage that explains how this list of characters were faithful people and how their faith, their belief, was credited to them by God as righteousness. The source of their righteousness was the faith that they demonstrated. You see, because the book was written to a bunch of religious Jewish Christians, the author made, wanted to make it very clear that It wasn't good works. It wasn't doing the right thing that made you right with God. It was your faith in Christ. Thank God we don't have any issues with that question anymore. Solve that one. But in Hebrews 11, verses 8 through 12, talk about Abraham, the father of the Jewish faith. It's not on the screen, but I'll just read it to you briefly here. even though he was too old and Sarah, his wife herself, was barren because he considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one person and this one as good as dead, descendants were born, quote, as many as the stars of heaven as the, and as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. So Abraham, he's practically the captain of the faith all-star team. All started with Abraham, Wouldn't it be nice to be like Abraham and never have any doubts? Be so faithful that you make a famous list in the Bible? Except that the thing is, Abraham had all kinds of doubts. If you know the story, you know that God made a promise to Abram, which was his original name, and he was such a scrub, (laughs) faith-wise, that God had to change his name to make the point... God promised that he would make Abraham the father of a great nation. We talked about this a little bit last week. That that would that nation would be a blessing to all the other nations of the earth. But Abram's wife, Sarai, who also got a name change, was barren and quite old, so it was a great leap of faith for Abram to believe the promise that God had made and to step out from the land where his fathers had lived and go to the land that God showed him. Because there was there was no heir. H-E-I-R, coming as far as Abraham, Abram, could tell. But he believed God enough to pick up his family and start moving. But here's the problem. When we act on a promise of God, we don't have much patience. And we want that promise to be fulfilled now. You know, my... I have an eight-year-old and an almost two years, two-year-old. He's a 2 year old boy. And um, Abel, my older one, didn't... It took him a while to grasp the concept that Teddy can't understand the concept of delayed gratification. So if you say to him, Teddy, we're going to Grandma's house and you will have cake when you get there. Teddy wants cake now. <laughs> right? Grandma's house is in Buffalo. It's going to be a long ride. <laughs> I'm going to put the windows down. Right? We are like Teddy when it comes to the promises of God. We step out and go, yes, lay it on me. And then it doesn't happen right away, and we're like, you know, boo-hoo, went," Which is the very quiet, amusing version of the sound that Teddy makes when he wants cake. <laughs> uh-huh. The real sound is much less pleasant. But you see where I'm going with this. God delayed just a little bit in fulfilling the promise to Abraham. And Abram began to doubt. And let's take it from there. Genesis 15 is today's Old Testament reading, and it's very easy to find. It's on page 10 in the Red Bibles. It's pretty early on in the story. And there's a little bit of a break in there. As you can see, it reads the first 12 verses and then 17 and 18. I'm going to give you eight, and then we'll stop and read the rest. Now, the first thing it says is, after these things, and if you know me, you know that I am incapable of just glossing over that phrase, because if you... If you remember, what's my, what's my rule? You guys like to say this with me. What's the... What's the therefore, therefore? There's, now, there's no therefore here, but it's the same kind of principle. If you see a word therefore, it's there for a reason, and you have to read what comes before if you want to understand. In this case, you don't actually really have to read what happened before these things, um but I I still have to say it. I have to make the disclaimer. Um, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Let me pause and say, for those of you who are Bible nerds and you know the story of Abraham and Ishmael and Isaac and all that stuff, this comes before all of that. And Abram is looking at this unfulfilled promise saying, I guess it's one of my stewards or slaves who's going to carry on the line for me. And that's not exactly what you promised, Lord. And Abram said, you have given me no offspring. And so a slave born in my house is to be my heir. But the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. No one but your very own issue shall be your heir. He brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and count the stars, if you are able to count them. Then he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed the Lord, and the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But Abram said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? Now, do you see what happens there in the span of two verses? Verse 6, Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. He believed it for about the space of time that it took to write the next verse, where the Lord reminds him, I'm the one who's brought you up to this point. And then Abram's already... Already doubting again in verse eight he says, Wait, how how am I how am I to know that I shall possess it? What? I don't want to ask you for, for proof. I mean you're God. But how am I to really know? <laughs> he believed it, the Lord credited it to him as righteousness, started to go about his business, and and Abram is actually already in his ears saying, Wait, wait, wait. You had this kind of experience with God? where you trust the promise that you've received for about as long as it takes you to get out the door. So essentially, he asks God for a sign, for some proof. His faith is slippery, if you will. He can't hold it for very long before it gets away from him. And here's what, here's what happens next. Stuff gets real Here. <laughs> Verse 9, he said to him, This is God saying to Abram, Bring me a heifer, three years old, a female goat, three years old, a ram, three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. He brought him all these and cut them in two, laying each half over against the other, but he did not cut the birds in two. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram and a deep and terrifying darkness descended upon him. We're going to jump to verse 17. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, to your descendants, I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. He goes on to describe the land a little bit more. That was a very dramatic experience. Now, I could go into the history of this, this ritual and where it may have originated and that kind of thing, but the point of the ritual is this. God is saying to Abram, bring me these, these very valuable animals and let's cut them in two and sp- split them apart and set them opposite each other. And I'm gonna, he passes this torch down between the point is God is essentially saying to Abram in this ritual may it be for me like it is for these animals if I don't fulfill my covenant with you tear me in two may this be done to me if I fail to deliver on the promise that I've made and Abram's in this trance in this terrifying darkness <laughs> It's like you want proof here we go And after that very dramatic experience, Abram and Sarai never doubted again. (laughs) Except that's not true at all. If you know the rest of the story, you know that their faith did waver again. And they actually took matters into their own hands and tried to produce an heir through Sarai's servant girl, Hagar. That's where you get Ishmael, who's actually understood to be the father of the Islamic peoples also descended from Abram. And it's very fascinating how the text deals with Ishmael and and God sort of fulfills this promise through him, this botched attempt at at fulfilling God's promise. God sort of takes care of that. Um, But anyway, there's a lot more to the story of Abram and Sarai and how the name is changed to Abraham and Sarah. And you can continue to read about that. It goes on through the next four or five chapters uh, at least before... An actual heir is produced from Abram and Sarai. The point today is not the rest of the story. The point today is that if you feel like you have a very slippery faith, I want you to know that you are not alone. Even the captain of the Faith All Star team had a faith that wavered and slipped and stumbled every which way across the straight road that he was supposed to be walking. And you might have come into this place this morning and you'd be sitting in your seat wondering if you really belong in church, if, if you fit with all these holy, faithful people around you. You might feel like you're surrounded by the faith jocks and, and you're in the faith AV club. <laughs> All right, no more high school analogies. We're all grown ups here. Let me just tell you, you are not alone. Every person sitting in that row with you has had moments of significant doubt, probably very recently. Every, bird, every person who stood on this platform today has had significant doubts at some point or another, myself included. Then I fixed all that and I went into ministry. No, it's not how it works. I once preached a sermon entitled, Sometimes I Don't Believe. And I know that you sometimes feel like you need a dramatic event. Lord, put me in that trance. Terrify me with the darkness. Rip the heifer in half. Show me something that is unmistakable. But point A is that that's not likely to happen for you. Point B is that it did happen to Abram, and it wasn't good enough anyway. So it's the wrong thing to wish for. Flannery O'Connor says, you you don't, I'm paraphrasing, she says you don't see the, you don't have enough light to see your whole journey. You can make your way, but it's making it in darkness. You get one step at a time. Sometimes all you have to hold you up is the story of Scripture where you see, if you read it honestly and without some ridiculous expectations about how life is supposed to look, you see character after character after character in the Bible going through these things. Sometimes all you have to hold you up is this, because sometimes your faith in the Bible itself is shaken, all you have to hold you up is, is your brothers and sisters. Somebody to stand next to you Moses had somebody stand next to him and hold his arms up when he got tired. It's kind of a neat Old Testament story, too. So I want you to know so deeply today, I want you to know that you are not a misfit if you're a person who wrestles with doubt. You're not a scrub. You don't belong at the end of the bench. You are part of the all star team, you belong on the field. and you belong at the table. At the table of the Lord, all of these classes that we set up in our mind are leveled. Because the same Lord who offers his broken body and shed blood to the most faithful person in the room, whichever one of you it is, offers his body and his blood to the least faithful person in the room. That's one of many reasons why we respond to the word by taking communion together. Because it levels us. You know who else got offered communion? Judas. He offers it to you. I also like to talk about communion in the words of John Wesley, that it is food for our souls. When your body is weak, it's sometimes because you are hungry and need nourishment. When your spirit is weak, it's sometimes because it is hungry and needs nourishment. This is the food for your souls. I'll pray in a minute, and then our table will be open for the rest of the time this morning. Anybody in the room is welcome to come to the table of Jesus if you're seeking to follow after him, you know, along that path, Tolstoy says, does it matter if I drunkenly stumble from one side to the other as long as I end up at the end? Um, if you are following Jesus, however much you may be stumbling, and for whatever reason, uh, the table's open to you. We'll continue to worship in song, of course, um, but you can come and receive the bread and the wine. Uh, if you have children who are in the classrooms and you'd like to take communion together as a family, you can go and get them. If you'd rather take it by yourself, uh, please just go get them right after you're done so that our teachers um, can come and take communion as well. And then our prayer team also spends time up in this corner here after the sermons, um, after we hear the word proclaimed. The table is one response. Prayer might be the more appropriate response for you. Uh, And so you can do either or both of those things. Uh, Let's pray together. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Joseph. You are also the God of Artisan Church and everyone here. We thank you for the stories of Scripture in which, if we are honest, we find uh, reassurance about the doubts that we sometimes feel. We pray that those things would encourage us and bolster our faith. We pray that being in community with one another would bolster us and encourage our faith. Most of all now, we pray that the table of your Son, Jesus, would be food for our souls. As we receive it, may it be for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, broken, shed for the forgiveness of sins. Holy Spirit, inhabit our worship this morning and send us out to be the church when we leave this place. Amen. Tables open.